0: It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com.
1: Well, Eric, it is fun to be back in the studio with you. It's been, it's been a little while. We are in a dry season. Uh, we were joking about how we called this Daily Thunder It's more of a scattered thunderstorm season that we're moving into right now is just uh, arid. (laughs) Uh, But we just finished our summer series. Our monsoon season. Our our monsoon season. Yeah, that's right. And in December, we are launching three days a week where you're going to have a series, I'm going to have a series, and then we're going to be sitting down in this series. But we're starting that series a little early. And so we're going to have 16 episodes uh, walking through what we're calling Eric and Nathan's life lessons. Oh, that sounds good. That Uh, sounds good. I'm very excited. It should be delightful. Do you want to unpack, uh, even just as we're talking about this idea, you you for this episode you have a foundational story mm-hmm. that I think sets the tone of where we're where we're heading. You want to share just this idea of the endless frontier?
0: Yeah. So you know each of these uh, episodes, which we're estimating sixteen, right, will be sixteen life lessons that we've sort of cobbled together and collaborated on, and uh, so this first one is decidedly Ellerslie-esque in its sound because it's one of the key phrases we have. We have t-shirts wandering around. It says Endless Frontier on it. And the Endless Frontier is an idea that has sort of permeated the Ellerslie world. So even though it's terminology that comes from my background, it's still very much Nathan-esque as well. But it came from a a story. I had a, a vocal coach back in the day named Dr. Scott Martin, and just quite the, the character. Uh, he, he was one of the at, the, at the time, one of the top five vocal coaches in the world. I don't know who ranks that, but that was what I was told. And he was just a master of the human voice. And so a lot of well-known singers would come through to be worked on and sharpened uh, by Scott. So to train under him and to actually have a a one-hour slot each week in his schedule was amazing. What a privilege because he had somewhere around a 200 to 250-person waiting list. And so I figured that in training with someone like this, what would it take? A month, two months, and I would be professional. I mean, if you're working with someone at that level... Shouldn't it just be like snap of a finger and, you know, you're like done. You're ready. You're ready to go and you're ready to be, you know, whatever the quote-unquote professional singer is because that's that was the idea in my head. And so as I was training with him, I had been training. He he wanted me to train six hours a day. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. That was my first thought. I didn't say it out loud. and uh, But I did say out loud, who has six hours a day to train in singing? In his response, uh, those who want to be the best, it's like, oh, oh, okay, six hours. Whoa, six hours a day. This is like training for the Olympics. And it's interesting because he used to train the Olympic long distance runners too. How to breathe. So he taught you this certain breathing method uh, where you use your lower lung instead of your upper lung, and everything was backwards. Like I felt like I needed to walk backwards when I was breathing uh, correctly, as he would say. And so I had been training with him for a few months. And he'd never given me one compliment, you know, so I had no idea, you know, how good I was, where I was at. And so I finally got up the guts because I, I mean, I, I was way past the point where I should be a professional now. And he hadn't even given me a compliment, you know, so I didn't even know if I was doing anything right. So I asked the fateful question, uh, I bounced on my toes a little and swallowed hard. And I said, so Scott, uh, how good am I? and he chuckles. That was like how he responded. He chuckles. And uh, he said, uh, Eric, you played soccer, didn't you? I go, yeah. He goes, how good were you? I think he asked me when did I start. I was like eight or so. And he said, so at eight years old, how good were you? And I go, well, I I stunk. Uh, And he goes, exactly. Uh, Eric, you've been... uh, you know, you've been training for a little bit, but you know you you've barely scratched the surface. You see, singing is an endless frontier, and you've you've taken one step into an endless frontier. And you're asking me how far you've gone. You've gone one step into an endless frontier. It's sort of like you know a soccer player at the age of eight, and you know. So I'm like all deflated. It's like oh, after all this hard work, you know, I don't remember how many months I'd been training, but every day six out. Well, I don't know that I ever trained six hours a day. I think I figured I was averaging around two to three. But that's a lot. When you're by yourself, that's a lot of training. And so he said, you know, but before you get too discouraged, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, far too late for that. Uh, So even though you're one step into an endless frontier, you're one step further than 99.99% of the rest of the human race. But Eric, never pitch your tent. See, he was sensing something in me, and that is that I was looking for an end point. I was looking for a place, a flat piece of ground where I could pitch a tent and say, that's enough. I don't need to go any further. And so what he's encouraging me to say is, it's like, look, you're actually further than 99.99% of the rest of the human race. But Eric, this isn't the place to stop. There's, I think he seems to sense, because when Leslie came in to sing with me, he would compliment her all day long. You know, it's like, oh, you're doing so well. He never once complimented me because I think he sensed that I was looking for that end point. It's like the last thing he wanted to do was encourage me to stop. So Eric, if you need encouragement, I'm going to hold that as a carrot <laughs> out in <laughs> front of you to keep you going. But that one statement has changed my life because it did expose something in me. And that is that I did want an end point where I could call good enough. I didn't want to just keep going and training and becoming more and more excellent with time. I mean, it sounds terrible to say that out loud, but it's like I just wanted to reach this professional level and call it good. And I realized throughout my entire life, that's how I've approached every area, which is in this moment, this is why the endless frontier is such a key thing for me, is it's a call to pull up my tent stakes, pack up my tent
1: and say, no, I'm going further. If there's more to be had, I want the more. Yeah, one of the ways we've <clears throat> often talked about it with our students too is using the illustration of like the Old West. And in the Old West, you had people who would settle, you know, like on the borders of Kansas or Missouri <clears throat> and be like, okay, we're fine. But you had these other individuals who were just like, I, I want the risk. I want the unknown. I, I want to make the maps. And they would pioneer into the unknown. They, they would go into the West and, you know, even at risk of death, explore what's there. And it's interesting how often I think, especially, and, and again, this could be applied in every area of our lives, but especially in Christianity, we live in a culture that we just want to get, as you would say, one step ahead of the culture and then be like, whew, mm-hmm. I can still live in the world, but I'll just add some Jesus on top of it. Mm-hmm. When in reality, when you look at the the tone of the Christian life, the tone of the Christian life is an endless pursuit of the glory and the reality of Jesus Christ and the gospel, mm-hmm. that there that there is no place you just settle. Mm-hmm. In fact, the moment in Christianity or marriage or family or any or any of that kind of stuff, the moment you begin to settle, you actually you're never actually settled. You actually start to mm-hmm. drift backwards. There, there, it's a sliding a sliding scale, maybe maybe mm-hmm. the term, but it's like we are either called to keep pressing forward, or we're going to find ourselves drifting drifting backwards. You want to talk about how just that idea of the endless frontier or just the the pursuit of more. Is applied to truly every arena of our lives? Well, some people get a little intimidated when you say that,
0: you know, this is an endless frontier. Because like, whoa, whoa, I want some definition to it. To me, it excites me. And I think it should excite everyone. And that's basically every day you wake up, there is more to be had. There is a greater gain in every arena of your life. Like I used to think about this when I was single because I was pondering this and I knew Leslie and I didn't, you know, at the time, you know, maybe I I don't know at what juncture we were, but I didn't know that I was going to marry her. And, but I remember pondering marriage and thinking, okay, what if I took this endless frontier and applied it to marriage? And I said, okay, so what is the greatest, you know, husband out there? What if I said, I want to go beyond that. I want to explore territory that maybe no marriage has explored today. What about uh, in family development? If I took that same attitude and every day I woke up, I said, okay, God, take me further in, further up, further on. It's like that, that thrills me. Now it, it intimidates some people because they're just like, they're looking for that flat piece of ground. It's like, good enough, please just let me be good enough. And yet there's something about that that matches with the kingdom of heaven pattern. The kingdom of heaven has that endless dimension to it, but it's not in a scary way where it's out of control, sort of like the universe is just so big. And when people start talking about the 200 billion galaxies uh, uh, that are out there, it's like it overwhelms uh, them as opposed to saying, but God controls it all. And he is calling me into his fullness." wow, how much is that? And so when you apply that to your Christian life, which is, of course, the key here at Ellersley, is to say, every day I wake up, I recognize that God wants to take me on, onward and upward. It's not that he's saying, Eric, you're finally just good enough, but that
1: there's actually more that he desires every day, and that's thrilling to me. I love the idea, <clears throat> specifically applying to like knowing who Jesus is or understanding his word. There really is an endless depth to not just practically living out the Christian life, because that's a key piece. But in my life, it's been, Lord, I actually want to know you more. Mm-hmm. I, I want, like a little sheep, I want to know your voice more clearly today than I knew you yesterday. I want to know your greatness and your grandeur and your glory more today than I knew you last week. Mm-hmm. Lord, I, I want to know your word, and and so not seen as an intimidating thing, but seen as a, a, a hunger for one more piece. Yeah. Right, that that God is wanting to make us more holy today than we were yesterday. That He's wanting to mm-hmm. set us apart. Will you will you quickly talk about just that Japanese idea mm-hmm. of of kaizen? Because I think uh-huh. it is a kind of a neat tie in. Yeah, with when this I was in, when I was in uh, school, college, uh,
0: kaizen was a big concept that came you know through the collegiate ranks. It was like, ah, oh, we found out the secret of the Japanese uh, manufacturing system, and that is that they are always upgrading their equipment so they they take their electronics and they make them better the next year and then they sharpen them the next year and america was sort of doing the opposite well we have a really good product here that's good enough and the Japanese were starting to uh, go beyond us, and their, their, their cars and their, their electronics were getting better than ours, and Americans didn't like that. And so we were like trying to solve the riddle. It's like, ah, they have Kaizen, which should, should not be just a Japanese concept, but it means constant improvement. Why wouldn't you constantly improve something? But Americans had begun to settle with a good enough. We're still we're better than the rest of the world. You know, our, our equipment is highest end. And then suddenly the Japanese started passing us because they were taking what we had and making it better. And so the American collegiate system was like, we need to respond with Kaizen of our own. And it's interesting because the Japanese didn't come up with Kaizen. God did. Constant improvement is the word sanctification. That is exactly what the Spirit of God does inside of us. Is He wakes us up every day and says, "I would like to refine you. I would like to make you more like Me. I would like you to. I would like to bring you into a deeper fellowship with Me. I would like to open up My Word in a greater way to you." And that is, you know, sort of archaisen. Our, our sanctification is the process
1: of. God taking us by the hand and walking us into an endless frontier. I love what Romans 8:29 says. We, we know we know Romans 8:28, you know, that God's working all things for our good uh, according to his purpose. <clears throat> but I love verse 29 which tells us the purpose of like well why why is God leveraging all things for his good uh, for our good. And it's so that he might conform us to the image of his beloved son. That there is this conformity, there is this transformation that's taking place where we are not done. Uh, I mean, I hate to break this to you, Eric <laughs> Ludi is not a complete product. <laughs> you know, Nathan Johnson is not the full Christian. Oh. That that there's that there's always more, and I l- deeply actually love that idea because that that means that some of those deep areas of my life that may have a slight twist to them, God is actually refining that, He's purifying that, He's sanctifying, He's making me more holy, making more me more like Himself. He's revealing more of Himself. He's deepening my understanding of the Word, and to recognize. That that continues actually is exciting. That that I don't have to grow dull. I don't have yeah. to grow uh, passive in in the reality of Christ. I, I really love what uh, Andrew Murray once said. Uh, someone once asked him, "You know, are you satisfied with with what you have in Christ?" And I love Murray's response. He says, "Oh, with every fiber of my being, I I can say that I am satisfied with Christ." But let us never hesitate to say, "This is only the beginning." Amen. That 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 there's so much more to be had. There's so much more of him to know that uh, that that I can literally take every moment of every day and, and consistently know Jesus and that there'll be no end to that. Mm-hmm. That that I can I can continually know his character and his life and his goodness and his word and, and I can be conformed and made more holy. And that that really is a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. And and I love the idea that tomorrow I can actually be more holy and be a, a richer Christian. Than I was last week. Man. That a year from now I should be more in love with Jesus mm-hmm. and more in fire for Christ than I was, you know, five years ago. And if, and if I don't see a progression, that's probably a good sign of our souls mm-hmm. that there's a problem going on that mm-hmm. we've, you know, dug in our tent stakes and mm-hmm. and we're not moving forward. Now, do you have any quick thoughts for little, <clears throat> just as we're wrapping up of how do we practically apply the endless frontier? In other mm-hmm. words, and let's just take one arena like the Christian mm-hmm. life. Yeah. How do how do I how do I maybe see the endless frontier in in my Christianity and and how do I begin to take like just one more step Mm -hmm. that I don't have to worry about how many steps are Mm -hmm. available as much as I just need to be able to start shuffling Mm -hmm. forward do you have any quick Well, there's certain things in Christianity that are practical and certain things
0: that are paradigm shifts which are just an understanding that needs to flip like you set on a pair of glasses and now you're looking at things completely different and say this is sort of a dual one where it it's really a glasses thing. It's how you look at life. And that's what happened when Dr. Scott said singing is an endless frontier. It totally shifted my thinking in every area. It's like, whoa, I just set on some glasses for singing and now I'm looking at every area different because I recognize I, that's my problem is I don't see it as an endless frontier. And I I think, most of us just need to freshly stick on the glasses to realize that life with Christ, life in his word, life in the spirit is an endless frontier. And it's a beautiful one. It, it, is, it is discovering more of his goodness to taste and see that the Lord is good every day at a greater level. Uh, that's, that's thrilling to know that Every day you wake up, you can know that at a greater degree and to a greater degree is just is just amazing. Jesus, when he came, his first miracle at the wedding at Cana is going to change a paradigm. The Jewish paradigm was best wine first, and then it gets to be a lesser wine. Jesus comes in and just shifts the whole pattern. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, actually, give your best wine now. And I'm going to bring better wine in the future. And that, to me, is a great statement of what it means to live with Jesus, is that he makes the mundane of our future, uh, which is the way it feels for many people. It's like your future is bleak. But Proverbs 29, it says she smiles at the future or she laughs at the days to come. And that's us, is we look forward with a laugh, with a smile, because that's Christ and he is endless and he is going to make his better wine. Uh, He's gonna take our mundane water of a future and he's gonna turn it into something beautiful and that's what we anticipate. And so my encouragement practically, even though it's sort of a hard practical, is pull up our tent stakes. You see, we have this propensity inside of us to try and find an end point and to settle and say, hey, this is good enough. I, I have this down. Whether it's in singing or the Christian life, marriage, family, finances, whatever it is, that we don't just say, I have it down. Okay, I figured this out. We say, God, I want more of you in this area. And so that's the concept of pulling
1: up your 10 stakes onward march. Well, Eric, I'm super excited for this little series. And just as a reminder, the next three episodes, we're gonna be releasing one a week, uh, and then in the early December, we're going to be launching our three new series. This this will be a continuation. Um, but I'm really excited about walking through these life lessons with you. So, yeah, so am I. Uh, so until then, we'll uh, see one later.
0: The Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.